even for me, I don't like really working by myself. I love, because my forte is really on the keyboards and on the synths and sound design. Mm -hmm. So for me, I love pairing up with somebody who does really good drum programming and, and crazy drums. And like, it speeds up the process. It makes it more fun. And yeah, I think definitely. I think that's sort of what people are on. But if you have something special and you're like, yeah, I don't really like, I don't want anyone to touch. This is my baby. Then yeah, work on it for however long it takes. And don't be discouraged by by taking a long time because over time you're going to improve and you're going to be able to write and produce and do all that much faster. But establish the connection with some good producers. Find someone who's good at mixing or trying to get good at mixing. You know, it doesn't have to be like, the dopest mixer or producer in the world. The people that are up and coming, you never know. They could be the next, you know, Timbaland or uh, yeah. Max Martin or whatever. You just never know. So I think just work with the people that you believe in and work with the people who believe in you. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the new music business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. Today's episode was a live podcast episode. We brought in Ari's Take Academy students who were able to attend live and then ask questions at the end. It was a very interesting conversation. My guests today are Roger Shahayed. He is a Grammy-nominated producer and songwriter whose songs have sold over 30 million copies. He's worked with some of the biggest names in the business. He did Halsey's Bad at Love. He did. He worked on Travis Scott's Sicko Mode. He did Miguel Skywalker. He's worked with Drake. He's worked with G-Eazy, Kalani, Kesha, Calvin Harris, Carly Rae Jepsen. The list goes on and on and on and on. We also have on the show his manager, Greg Katz. We got into both sides of it. We got Primarily, we're talking about the business of uh, being a hit producer and songwriter and how splits work, what producer points mean, how songwriting credit gets broken up, publishing, how to get a publishing deal, uh, what to look for in the pub deals. And Roger gives some really great advice to aspiring songwriters and producers on how to get started and, and how to really get going. If you're listening on Apple Podcast or YouTube, please leave a comment and a review. Those really help. Sign up for the email list. You can go to aristake.com and you'll get notified every time we release an episode. As always, please find me on Instagram or Twitter at Ari Herstand or at Ari's Take to find the show. All right. Well, let's kick into the show. Roger, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for having us. Nice intro, too. Thank you. Roger, I want to start with you. How So uh, you went to the San Francisco Conservatory of Music studying, I'm assuming, piano performance. Is that right? That's correct. How do you go from that? Now, I, I went to the University of Minnesota studying classical trumpet. Um, oh. I, I don't know if uh, the San Francisco Conservatory is similar to that music program, but it was pretty strictly classical. Like we were I was doing my etudes. You know, we was um, all of that. Uh, there was, I, to take jazz trumpet lessons, I had to take a 45-minute bus ride across town to go take from Dave Jensen, Prince's trumpet player, because they didn't even have a jazz program at Minnesota. They didn't have anything. <laughs> they offered no jazz there. So I literally had to go and pay somebody else, also paying my, you know, outside of my student fees. Um, how do you go from studying classical piano to working with, I think Dr. Dre was like your mentor early on, and then now being, you know, a producer of all these number one hits. Uh, give us a little background on that. Well, um, it, I didn't know it was going to happen. So that's, okay. that's, that's kind of one thing you, you just, for me, it was, I think it was in high school. I really, um, I really started taking music more seriously, but especially classical music and I think it was my junior year of high school. I decided, hey, uh, you know, I learned this. Uh, I learned this piece, the Chopin Ballade Number no. One in G minor, and I was like, mm. 
I love this piece. I want to learn it. I just feel like I could do it. And once I did, I kind of, you know, gave me the confidence to say, Hey, maybe you could actually pursue this and like really go all the way. So I, you know, I, uh, did some auditions at several different places, Juilliard, Manhattan school of music, San Francisco conservatory, Mm -hmm. and, um, ended up going to San Fran. And it was interesting because kind of like your situation, there wasn't a jazz program there as well, but I love mm-hmm. jazz. And mm-hmm. um, while I was at school, while I was at the conservatory, I sort of got deeper and um, into listening to more hip hop and more rap. I had friends that were just into that and we were all, you know, I always loved rap, but it mm. kind of, I was able to listen more to the details of songs and musicality, especially since you're studying music, you're like, Mm-hmm. you know, wondering what makes songs so interesting. And I kind of discovered Scott Storch during that time, who's like one of my all-time favorites, and realized he was the guy behind most of these songs. He was the driving force with the keys. And I said, you know, I kind of, I want to do that. I want to do what he's doing. And mm. I think I, when I finished college, I came back to L.A. and I started getting into making beats and working on the computer synthesizers. What program were you using then? I actually started with Logic and okay. I'm still on Logic to this no day. No shit. I am, yeah. I love it. All right. It. Cool, cool. It. Yeah, I'm so it kind of was interesting because the shift really went from being a classical pianist to getting really into jazz and then mm-hmm. getting really into hip hop and production in general, just songwriting and production. But hip hop's like, you know, it's like my passion. It's like my favorite. And, um, so when you were in, when you were in school, uh, you weren't really making beats or anything like that. You kind of were just, just listening to hip hop, doing your research, but you were focused on your classical piano studies for the most part. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't making beats during college, but you know, since it wasn't so far from LA, which is where I live and where I'm from, mm-hmm. I would fly back often. And I was in a few bands. So I started a few, a few groups that had sort of like an MC, a singer and keys, guitar, drums, bass. And I was kind okay. of the, the MD. So cool. I was just really passionate about, do, about doing that and performing and make, just making songs, making ideas. I didn't really know how to make a beat. I would kind of mess around on GarageBand and sure, but I just didn't really figure it out until afterwards. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you finished school, you came back to LA, then you started making beats. Did you have a friend that was like, Hey, let me show you logic. Or was this like a YouTube, uh, tutorial? This is a YouTube conservatory now. I had <laughs> <laughs> actually wasn't so heavy into the, I mean, YouTube, I think then was just kind of still like, there wasn't as much information then as there is now, okay. obviously. So I really had some, I had some close friends that had studios and um i also have a, a a friend of mine one of my closest friends his dad was a pretty big like rock producer and mm-hmm. he he did he does a lot of stuff for like bruce springsteen and things like that but he put me into a lot of sessions and kind of showed me the ropes a little bit so i had a little bit of guidance from some friends okay. I, I picked up little bits of knowledge here and there cool yeah cool okay so uh let's cut to uh you know the the earliest kind of would you say you had a, a big break or were you hustling or like, how do you get started kind of working with artists? I mean, what was your first, uh, what was your first production? Well, I have been working for a while. I'd say probably since doing sessions and things like that heavily since about 2012, 2013. Okay. And I was hustling. I was teaching piano. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I was teaching piano. I was playing jazz gigs. I was doing it all just to, just to stay, you know, alive and make money and and do all that. But in the midst of all that, I was showing up to the studio. I was connecting with different people and also playing a lot too, just doing a lot of shows and kind Mm. of being a hired gun. Anything I could do that had music involved or piano or keys or whatever. I was there. I was there. Cool. Um, I would say that my first, actually my first real production and actual placement uh, was Broccoli in 2016. No shit. 
My first Drum, official Lil, one. Lil Yachty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a first, what a first production. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so how did that come to be? How do, how do you, how do you meet Drum? How do you, how does that happen? Well, actually around that time was when I met Greg and uh, it was about 2015 and he had connected me to, you know, he linked me up with some really cool producers and, and artists to work with just to sort of get started. And he uh, linked me up with a friend who I'm st I still collaborate with a lot and consider a very dear friend. His name is Ahmad Royal, really, really amazing producer, songwriter and, and artist. Uh, he was working with drum at, Mm. Rick, at Rick Rubin's studio, Shangri-La in Malibu. And one day he just called me randomly and was like, hey, you want to come over to Rick Rubin's studio? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I, I left. I was probably teaching a lesson and I kind of just right. <laughs> left early, picked up my keyboard, headed over there. And I had no idea what was going on, but I was just in a big room playing keys and jamming with other musicians. And then I saw Drum walk in and I was like, oh, I know this guy. I know who he is. And yeah. we kind of became instant friends. We had like a two hour jam session and just we really took a liking to each other's style and we just became cool. close. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And were you, were you, um, I'm curious about, so I want to, I want to come back to the story, but I want to bring Greg in, um, sure. because you mentioned Greg and you knew him at the time. So, so, uh, Greg, what's going on? How, how you doing? It's been, a, it's been a, a minute that you've been sitting there. <laughs> hey, I'm chilling. Uh, you know, Good. Roger's got the cool stories. I just send the yeah. emails. He's so a part I'm, of them. I'm, he's a part of it, right. So I'm curious though, at that time that Roger was just talking about, uh, you know, were you guys officially working together? What was your involvement? How did, what is the relationship like, uh, between, uh, the two of you and and it's like it's a management thing and I want to kind of get into what that actually means when you're managing a producer songwriter because uh, I, I don't think that is as widely known as what kind of an artist manager does um, but kind of take me back to that that era just right around the broccoli time and how the relationship kind of got started uh, managing Roger. Yeah, totally. So uh, so we started working together officially in like the middle of 2015. Um, and sort of the way it came together was we were acquainted and I was close friends or closer friends anyway, with mm -hmm. a couple of great musician producers that are close friends with Roger, um, with Singerman, Taylor Dexter. Um, we all still work together. Um, and uh, Wes and Roger had done some stuff on records where they were credited as musicians, but what was really going on was they were producing the records and um, it was just, you know, other people were being credit hogs. Um, and when you're and talking so, about records at the time, like what, what what's level records? Are we talking about like, like DIY indie records with less than a thousand streams on Spotify records? Or are we talking records that got like, you know, charted radio play millions of streams kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, big, big hip hop the records ladder. where they were, okay. where they were <laughs> you know, yeah. Where they were being on, I would say, you know, to be politically correct, uh, being undercredited. Uh, and, <laughs> That's a euphemism and so, if I ever heard one. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, they, they had come to me and were like, you know, um, Wesson Taylor and I were, we'd been friends for a while. Roger and I were kind of acquaintances, um, mm -hmm. but they all came to me. We got, we got lunch at a falafel place and they were like, we're doing this stuff on uh, at sort of a pretty high level. And we need somebody that we kind of like and trust uh, who we don't think is going to steal stuff from us um, mm -hmm. to kind of like, you know, uh, help us get the business right on, on these, you know, increasingly big projects that we're, that we're working on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'd been doing like the indie company A&R hustle and I had managed another producer. Um, and so, you know, I kind of, I kind of knew the ropes already and, you know, uh, and so once, uh, once we got started, you know, it was just like producer writer development basics of just putting them in sessions, introducing them to new collaborators, uh, stuff like that. And that was kind of like what happened through 2015. Gotcha. Um, so Roger, I want to, I want to ask you, um, what that, like what that was like early on when you were uh, being undercredited and how those sessions were like, what was that like? You were brought into a session where you kind of uh expecting anything or is it just cool to be there or what is that situation like uh you know early on when uh, the undercrediting stage 
I think you kind of said both. It was uh, unexpected and not a pleasant experience. However, it, <laughs> there is something pleasant about it, which is, well, to go back to the actual story of it, we, sure. uh, we were in a few sessions that we were under the impression that we were just going to be working on uh, somebody else's album. And um, it was a producer that we were working with. And basically, we worked for about two, three weeks just making insane stuff, just showing up, having fun, not thinking like, hey, this is going to be for so-and-so or we're going to win yeah. Grammys. We just showed up and made music. There was no intention other than that. And I think something to keep in mind, that's the best way to approach any session and idea. Uh, but we were working. So you didn't, you didn't go in with a split sheet and be like, before no. I step in the door. Oh, no, no. I, I, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really didn't know much. No, no, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know much about publishing. Sure. I didn't know really anything. All I knew was how to make good music. And yep. that's kind of what I was pushing for. So we did, we did these songs and turns out later we went and signed kind of like a, um, uh, something we shouldn't have signed, but it was basically like <laughs> saying, you know, you can't get real. It's kind of like a buyout. And at the yeah. time I was just, you know, I was like, Oh, I guess this is how they do it. Huh? So yeah. signed it, got paid a little bit and thought I was on top of the world. Fast sure. forward two years later, uh, the, the records, the records come out. There was two records that we did and it was on a big album for a very big artist. And mm. I was both surprised and also like confused, but yeah. it was really cool to hear myself on something so big. And it kind mm -hmm. of gave me the confidence to say, Hey, even though, cause I checked the credits and I was like, wait, where are we? And mm. you know, that sort of was the thing that really made me realize, Hey, your music, your ideas, your sound is good enough to be a part of this. So now I have to do this right. And that's mm -hmm. sort of where Greg came along. So it was just, yeah. Well, so so we have a lot of producers uh, in ATA. There are many in here today, a lot of artists uh, who may find themselves in those situations. What is your advice to them? Uh, because I am assuming this practice is unfortunately uh, pretty um, – it, it just happens a lot. Um, unfortunately, this is part of the industry. Um, how do artists and producers protect themselves from that and songwriters? Well, I would say if it does happen, which for a lot of people who are getting into this and going trying to go all the way, it, it, it will. It's almost mm -hmm. a guarantee that it will, unfortunately. But don't let that discourage you. Don't let that stop you from the real big prize, the big picture. You read any big producer artist story and they've got tons of them. And mm -hmm. what it, what it, if it does happen, then maybe that's the sign. Hey, I, I probably should get somebody to look over my stuff and make mm -hmm. sure you have a, a good manager who really understands what you do as a producer or a writer. And mm -hmm. obviously a good lawyer to look over things because pe people will put papers in front of you. People have walked in this middle of studio sessions and like put papers and then like sign this and then I'll call Greg and he'll say, you should leave and, huh. <laughs> or read that before, you know, and right, right, right. you know, it's it, the music industry, the, the arts in general, it's a very unexpected place. It's, it's very wild yeah. West, but it's, it's also, it's also just try and take the good from it. You know, if you're on a big record and you didn't get the credit, just know that you still did that, the work. And yeah. that's a sign that you, know, you could advance to the next level and get some, get some guidance and get some management. So do you think yeah, this is to, a right? To, Go for sorry, it, just to piggyback on that thought. I mean, you know, the advice I always give to people when they ask me is like, if someone like, don't sign anything until you've had a lawyer look at it. Um, and if someone's pressuring you to sign it, like you can always, be like, you know what, like, I'm sure this is going to be cool, but I don't know what these things say, because I'm just, I just make the songs, and I don't know the business. So I got to show this to my lawyer, and I'm sure I'll work it out and be fine. Um, you know, mm. and that's, but just like, take a stance of being naive and just say, like, mm -hmm. I, I got to have somebody look at this, you know, I need an adult. Yep. Um, right. Like, <laughs> but, uh, like, and usually, like, you know, that is usually all the protection you need if you're like just getting started. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I got to credit this uh, phrase to to Eben Tobinfeld, who's a great A&R guy. Um, he said, he uh, he told me like, hey, everyone pays the tax. 
um, some way or another, you pay the tax on your way up. Um, and you know, the only thing you got to like look after is that you don't pay it twice. Um, so, ah, like so, um, so, you know, that's, uh, so like, if you, if you realize like, oh, this should have gone better the last time, you know, just keep that in mind for the next time. Yeah. Cause I would imagine, um, you know, a lot of young producers, uh, songwriters, they're given a shot. It's like they're invited into a studio that, uh, into a session that, you know, they just, they're just honored to be there. They don't, and we know it's a, a lot about connections and relationships. And I would imagine you might, uh, you don't want to upset this incredible connection. You don't want to upset this relationship or ruin the relationship, burn that bridge. So I could see a lot of, uh, you know, songwriters producers just doing whatever they say. It's like, oh, you need me to sign this? For sure. No problem. Like, you know, just, just kind of lean, like being overtly agreeable, even though that's not in their best interest. So I, I mean, I love that recommendation of just like, just pleading ignorance and just being naive and just be like, you know, what, I, I'd love absolutely, I got to send it to my lawyer. Now, do you think Roger, had you known that early on, had you done that, uh, they would have been like, oh, yeah, no problem would be like, yo, you got to sign this now, or you can get out of here, we're not going to work with you. I think it still would have been a problem in some way. I think no matter where you are in your career, you're always going to have some kind of roadblocks, whether it's other people arguing about percentages or who did what on a song. And that's mm -hmm. when you really start to tell apart who are your friends, who do you trust and who you mm -hmm. should keep working with because people can get greedy. People can get selfish. People can get however, but I think it's just important to remain working and remain mm -hmm you know, in, in a good spot, but I, I, sure. yeah. So, so I, I, you mentioned percentages. I, I'm, I want to dig into that a little <laughs> bit because there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of confusion here. Now I, I see that Roger, you've been, you've been credited as a songwriter on some of the songs you've worked on. You've been credited as a producer on most of the, the releases in the last couple of years. You're both. Uh, can you, either one of you, can you break down the distinction um, in, in the pop world and the hip hop world? between songwriter and producer, it seems like those lines are awfully blurred these days. I think, I think that especially when you, you know, when you start an idea with somebody, for, for a lot of what I do is mainly music based. So I, I make all of my loops and samples and everything I, that you hear from my, the records I've been a part of is actually me playing. And, mm doing it, doing my own things to it and putting it, you know, sure. running it through plugins, whatever. But I think that both songwriter and producer can be looked at in different ways. Of course, a lot of people will say a songwriter is somebody who sits in there and is actually writing the song and actually like writing lyrics and melody. And I think there's just so many components that make up a good song and the production is one of them, the music, the drums, the, the lyrics, the melody. I think that everybody's contribution to that in some way, shape or form is songwriting. Mm -hmm. And I think producing is really more than just making a beat and doing all that, which is, there's a lot of great producers who make amazing beats, but I think that there's a bigger picture involved, which is, overseeing the song, making sure it makes it to the finish line, providing a great space for the artist to work in, making mm. sure it's mixed. And it's sort of a lot of different jobs, knowing who to get to finish the record. And a lot of times that stuff is kind of based on the relationship as well that the producers or songwriters have with each other. Some people will, will add a small thing on a record and like maybe put a little sprinkle or a little touch of something and they'll get songwriting credit and publishing, but they won't be credited as a producer because of the contribution. Mm. Or sometimes someone will put in a sound that's tiny that like made the whole record go and that could be considered production. So it kind of goes several different ways. But I think for me, starting a song, finishing a song and seeing it all the way through is really what a producer's job is. Is that uh, when, you're, when you're discussing credit and splits, uh, 
at what stage of the process does that happen? Uh, I would say it, it usually it usually happens when we know there's something coming out. Um, when oh. we when we finish a song, and you know, when you're in a room, you don't want to be like, "So, what do you guys think of twenty percent or thirty <laughs> right. percent?" And and I've been in rooms where people have said that, and I said, uh, "Maybe we shouldn't talk about this right now." There but because it turn, it can turn people off. It can make people think you're only in it for a certain reason. So if you have good management, if other people have good management and everyone knows each other, it's, it's, and it's for the most part, people want to make music with their friends. So when you're sure. working with good friends and you have that trust, you can know that for the most part, Hey, everyone's going to, if there's four people on the song, we all worked on it. We're going even four ways. Mm-hmm. And that's usually how I like to work is just to do good business with people. But I would say when the song is done and they're like, hey, they're going to release this as the single, how's, these are the proposed splits, in my experience. And, and, and how do you break that down when you're saying it's equal four ways? Is that equal songwriting, equal like publishing, and equal production credit? I think, I think Greg can probably break this part down. Greg, break better. this down for us. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, I mean, you know, I, to look at it from, from my eyes, it's like there's yeah. four parts of a producer agreement. Um, so when a label wants to put out a record, they're going to, you know, want to get all the producers to sign producer agreements. Um, if there's more than one producer, um, and that agreement is going to have these, these four elements It's going to have what the producer's fee is. It's going to have what their, their royalty is, which, you know, people call points. Um, it's the, it's the recorded, uh, royalty, the master royalty. Um, then there's the publishing, which is the songwriting percentages. And then there's the credits. Um, so, you know, those are usually the four things that we're, that we're going to work out, um, on any given record. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for where like Roger and this is in his career, it's a lot of repeat players, right? It's like working again with people that we've worked with for a long time where we have really good relationships, um, where like we've already established, like, you know, if this record is made this way, it's going to be split up this way. Um, and like, you know, a lot of those things just cruise, um, cruise through where like, like somebody like the artist puts forward a proposal or I put forward a proposal or, you know, the co-producers manager puts forward a proposal and everyone is just like, yeah, cool. That's how it goes. Like a lot of the time, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's always some records that get Frankenstein together um, where, um, where like it starts with one person, it goes to another person, goes to another person. Some of the contributions end up being really big. Some of the contributions end up being relatively smaller. <laughs> and, like Sicko Mode, um, I would imagine, is one of those instances where there's like right. uh, 327 songwriters on that. Is that the right count? 328. <laughs> yeah, no. That's it. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but who's counting? Uh, um, yeah so you know that in in those cases obviously it gets commensurately more complicated um (laughs) but you know i think the one thing that like people got to keep in mind when you know you're in that situation is the number still like on the publishing side it still has to add up to 100 right like not everyone can get 50 percent. not all 327 people can get 50 percent um like and and until uh, until it adds up to 100 um, no one's getting any royalties. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like, even with a record like that, where like the splits are, you know, naturally going to be really complicated. Um, you know, everyone has an incentive to get it to a hundred, which is that mm. we all get paid when it gets there. Gotcha. And, and let's talk producer points a little bit, because there's a lot of confusion with that. I mean, most of the artists, um, you know, in ATA and just a lot of the artists that are listening to the show right now are, are indie artists uh, working with producers and they read a lot about points and they're like, well, I hear you're supposed to get between three to five points, but this is an indie release. So maybe I've heard you should get 20 percent. What like can you just break down the point system once and for all? So there's an understanding here about this. <laughs> um sure yeah i mean you know the uh, obviously the well not perhaps not obvious to all but um you know the the points which are the percentage of a master each one point is one percent of the master um mm-hmm. on a major label release where the artist is getting usually 15 to 20 percent of the total points on the master every one point that the producers are getting is one point out of the artist's royalty into the producer's royalty so, so you if know the, when if you the artist about, deal is 20 percent uh then and the producer is getting five points and the artist is actually just going to make 15 percent on on that record exactly so Got in the, in that uh, in in that instance um I, I think you said five points so in that case like in effect of all the royalties that are not that are getting paid out 
on the song, in that instance, the artist is getting 75% of the royalties and the producer is getting 25% of the royalties. Mm. Um, does that make sense? Because it's five out of 20. Um, right. So if this was like, an indie deal, you would say, well, the producer should get 25% because there isn't a label taking out that amount. Is that is that kind of right? A, yeah, way to think about exactly. It? So, you know, okay. and I think like, um, it's pretty common. And again, like Roger said, it is, it's always a wild west and, you know, and every new deal invents a new music industry in some ways, but, um, but like a lot of times when like, there's no producer fees being paid and it's all, all of the compensation is going to be royalties based, uh, you know, usually the, the publishing and the master royalties are about the same. Um, so it's like, you know, five people worked on the song and on the record, like, you know, they're going to split up the publishing five ways. They're going to split up the master five ways. Not always like that, but, um, mm -hmm. but it's often like that when you're talking about independent artists who are self-releasing and not mm -hmm. paying any producer fees. Gotcha. So um, how does it work now at the level that uh, Roger you're at? And, and is it, is it more common to see like what are most of these uh sessions like is it is it more common that you're getting an upfront producer fee to do the session or is it more common that you're just doing a session with an artist uh and then if the record's going to come out you just work out a back end and no one's getting any of that upfront fee i think sometimes people have not, well, actually, not not really upfront. Like, there's no like, hey, you're going into this. This is what the fee is. It's kind of mm -hmm. based on your credits, your experience. I think there's obviously producers who get paid more because they're they've done bigger records and they can guarantee a bigger, better outcome for the song. I think when you're starting out, just getting something for uh, producing a song is exciting. And, you know, and it, and it's steadily grown for, for me and, and over the years, it's, it's been cool to watch that. But sometimes, you know, there's a smaller artist, then you're really passionate about their music and, you know, maybe their budget for a song is only like, you know, a thousand dollars or $2,000 and there's two producers in the song. And it, it really is up to you because I've been asked, Hey, do you want this? Do you want to do this? We can pass or not. And it's kind of like, for the most part, you, you want to give those even those records and artists a chance because you never know what can happen. You still get, I would say, don't be turned off by a small fee. If it's a good artist, if it's a good song, just kind of, because if you're still going to get your points, you're still going to get your publishing, the song could blow up. And that fee was just nothing really mm -hmm. in comparison to that. But usually it's, it's, it's something, you know, if you're going in with a big artist, you kind of have an idea like, Hey, this, this person probably has a bigger budget, but you never really know because certain sometimes labels can limit that for projects and mm. um, saying, hey, we only have this much left. And uh, but in the case of being proposed things up front, there have been things that needed to be finished before that said, hey, this is what we can offer you to finish the song or to do this and that. So it really varies. What do you mean by finishing? Uh, what does that mean when you've got to finish a song? Sometimes people will we'll have a song that basically sounds done. Like the song itself is done. Like the, mm -hmm. the hook, the verse, all that, the vocals, but maybe there's musical elements missing that they feel could elevate the song more or take it to the next level, or maybe they want to do a bridge or a key change or something. And I think for me, finishing a song is just, it's what it takes to get it from here to here, knowing, okay, now I believe in the song. Now I believe it's done and it can go mm. out on the radio or on DSPs or whatever. But that's kind of what I would consider. Okay. Finishing touches. Sure, sure. Greg, is there anything you want to add to kind of that uh, breakdown? Or And I'm also curious, like when, just to get back to that splits thing, you were, you were mentioning, uh, so let's say there's, there's five points dedicated for the producer. Sometimes a song might have five, six, seven producers on it. Uh, do they all split those five points that are allocated for producers or are they each getting, are they each working out their own point percentage with the label? Yeah. So, you know, it, it really does depend from record to record and how things came together and, you know, and all that. Cause obviously like when you have a lot of producers on a record, um, you know, a lot of times like one or two or three did like the lion's share of the work. Um, and then it got passed around to some other people to finish. 
um, to add a little bit to, oh, we want the drums to hit a little bit harder. Like, could you mm -hmm. try to change up the drums, like stuff like that. Um, and then like, you know, out of, so there's still gonna be like that, that limited number of, of points available on the record. Um, because at some point, like the artist will say like, this is my record as the artist. Like I can't give away all the royalties when it's my name um, on this project mm -hmm. and my fans mm -hmm. that are, that are listening to it. So, um, so, you know, there, there's still going to be like a finite place to stop no matter how many producers there are. Um, mm -hmm. if it took a lot of people to make the record, you can count on the points getting split up into smaller amounts. Um, like it's just as, as simple as that. Um, gotcha. and like, you know, points don't also have to be, uh, apportioned as a whole point. And like, sometimes you see somebody getting a half a point or a third of a point or, or mm -hmm. whatever, like just based on how many people there are on the song, mm -hmm. uh, the nature of their contribution. Like you got in a room with three of your buddies and the three of you together did a really small addition to the production. Like the, yeah. the, the three of you together are going to get one point that you're going to split up amongst yourselves in mm -hmm. the way that you, uh, that you think is fair internally amongst the three of you. So Gotcha. Um, or you might get half a point that you're going to split up amongst the three of you. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with... BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have, have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less-than-legit pub admin services. Well, 2Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. Uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Yeah. Um, so let's talk publish, publishing a little bit. Uh, Roger, you're with Cobalt, is that right? Yes. And have you always been with Cobalt, or is this something that you moved to? Cobalt was the first and only publisher I've had. So. Now, they have a uh, an interesting model uh, where they don't own your copyrights necessarily. They're just taking kind of a commission. Can you break down the the deal that you have? Uh, now, was this something that Greg arranged or were you with Cobalt before Greg or how did, how did that relationship start? Well, sort of in, in, in the beginning of sorting through who's going to be my publisher and figuring, mm -hmm. and figuring that out, um, we were going back and forth with just different different publishers and seeing what they could offer. So I think knowing that I had some big songs on the way and already out that I 
wanted to go the admin route, which is uh, for administration. So, which is what Cobalt does. And I just figured learning about a lot of the kinds of deals that other people had and how, you know, a publishing deal can be great, especially depending on the connections and the, the A&R that you have. Sure. But uh, they, they could also take more. It, it's all different. You know, everyone yeah. has uh, different modifications and it's customized to everyone's own situation. But I just decided that I, I wanted to re- retain as much as I can yeah. on that end. And at the same time, they've also been just an incredible publisher and have put me in a lot of great sessions. They help keep the connection strong. They have a great sync team. I mean, they're like family to me. So mm-hmm. I, I don't just have one person there. I have a lot of different uh, point people, which is kind of not uncommon, but you know, most people just have like, Hey, this is my guy at my, my publishing company, but it's nice to have that, that feeling. And sort of when I, when I was doing the meetings and meeting people, I, I really felt a great warm sort of welcoming vibe from them mm. and kind of just made me feel like I already knew them for a while. And I think that's something very important to consider. Um, if you know, any, anyone out there finds themselves in that position of, Hey, I've got options to go to different mm-hmm. places go to the place where you will have people that will pick up your phone calls, that will answer your questions, that will do everything they can to put you in the room or as close as they can into the room. You know, for instance, there's a lot of big artists that I wanted to get in with and I kind of shot my wish list in the beginning. And yeah, they were like, well, we can't get you in directly with this person because some artists are just super closed off, no matter how crazy of a publisher you have or sure. whatever. So they'll put, you know, they put me in with a lot of producers who are close with that specific artist. And sometimes oh. that is a great link. And, but for the most part, they, they have really, I would say grown a lot and, and um, really excelled as publishers and in their connections for me. What were some of the decisions early on? Uh, so you felt this warm, vibe from them which is awesome but but when it comes down it's 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 about your business um right. and i'm assuming some of these major publishers were probably throwing a lot of money at you or, or promising the world or or who knows um what did it really come down to other than the the warm fuzzy feeling you were feeling when we're walking in those offices i mean yeah there was a lot of different things to consider do i want a lot of money do mm-hmm. i want good connections do I want a ton of money? Do I want a little bit of money? So I think for me, it was, it was really knowing the fact that most of the sessions that I have been getting and had been getting at the time were through my friends, were through connections, were through producers that really liked me. So in a way, as Greg says, no one's a really a better A&R than yourself when, when you're connected like that. So I really took that into consideration knowing that Cobalt is really great at letting me do my thing and sort of letting me connect myself with a lot of people because they know that I'm I'm pretty plugged and it's been growing more and more mm-hmm. every year. But also, they are great publishers and they do have great connections. So the combination of both is good. But I think I think that was something to consider. Just knowing that I I was most of my favorite stuff that I was doing, I was kind of getting on my own. So. Yeah, yeah I, I took that into consideration. Cool. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, songwriters listening to this, uh, young songwriter producers uh, who are thinking about, uh, you know, how to seek out a publishing deal, what kind of publishing deal they should look at, what publishing companies they should. Can you help people understand and think about or just maybe just give, give your pointers on what what these younger songwriters should be thinking about when going into these meetings and what kind of publisher you should look for? Well, it's definitely a decision that you don't want to rush. Okay. No matter how exciting or tempting it may be to just sign a paper and get paid and do that because I know yeah. some I know a lot of people who have made the mistake of or have heard stories as well of people who've just made the mistake of signing something and they didn't read through the terms and you know, read it over a hundred times with your lawyer, mm. with your manager. Make sure that let's say you found the one you want to go to go over it and find a way for your lawyer or manager to kind of easily summarize what these things mean. Cause they're long forms. There's a lot yeah. that goes into any kind of contract, but especially with a publishing deal, 
it, it can be pretty hefty. So I would say make sure that you feel like you're joining a family, like you're joining mm -hmm. a really somebody you mm. trust. And I think also something to consider is uh, sometimes a publishing deal isn't for everyone, even if you're getting offers. If you know mm. that you have some more songs on the way that haven't come out yet, that's mm -hmm. something to consider as well. So, you know, if if you worked on some stuff for a big artist and it's like, hey, this will be out in like four or five months, but you're getting a deal offer saying, hey, you know, we want to sign, we want to do this. They know you have it coming out. Mm -hmm. You want to kind of find the line between like not making those people wait too long because sometimes people lose interest. But, but the truth is, if you're good at what you do and you're making yeah. good records, people are always going to be interested in working together and i think make sure the timing is right make sure you have another really important thing to consider make sure you have enough on these songs that will kind of assure you that you'll be able to recoup the deal mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's all sort of based on what you do but if you know you have a lot of money coming in i would say don't take a huge massive deal that you have to take many years to pay back that could even exceed the term period which is usually mm -hmm. it could be three years it could be five years depending on what you what you sign I mean, don't take that big advance because uh, or or as big of an advance with uh less uh with a with a smaller cut from your publisher right because it'll yeah you might never recruit it, that you know you could have a few small songs or even if you have a, a hit song mm -hmm. you want to be smart and you want to make sure obviously it's a tough it's a tough place because it's in the beginning of this process, it is kind of hard to make money. And it's only because it takes so long, you know, the yeah. songs and the, the labels and, and everything goes through such a long process. Paperwork can take a while too, depending on how speedy lawyers are at getting back to each other. Sure. And they're also probably backed up with hundreds of other deals that have been in the works and are being disputed and, and argued over and whatnot. So, it all sort of depends though. If you have a good plan and you want to take a big advance, make sure you mm -hmm. invest it, make sure you set some aside for your taxes. Cause <laughs> good the, the, the number is not always what it's going to say after, uh, April, the month of April comes. But, but right. I think, I think it's just, you know, it's good to have a plan. And for the most part, a lot of the first advances and, uh, producer fees that I was paid, I put it all right back into my craft. I, I hmm. bought all the synths that I needed. I bought all the equipment. I upgraded things. So you kind of are constantly finding yourself putting, you know, putting the money back and making more. And it's, it's all, a, it's all a cycle like that. Okay, cool. Right on. Good advice. Sure. Um, I want to take some questions here while we're waiting for Greg to, to get sure. back in. His computer died, I guess. And so uh -huh. he... Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we have uh, Ibi VK. Um, I believe he's coming to us from Dubai, but I'm going to bring him in. And where are um, you coming to us from? Are you in... Dubai? Yeah, I'm in Dubai. It's 3.24 a.m. Nice. right now. Oh, my gosh. Thank oh, you wow. for staying up. <laughs> uh, thank, I mean, thank you guys for doing this. So you're yeah. the real heroes here. So, yeah. Um, Roger, I have a question for you. Um, sure. So, obviously, besides being a very successful producer, you're also an amazing songwriter. I heard your song with, like, uh, uh, the songs that uh, came out, especially recently. Um, I think uh, with Kehlani. Um, yes. That was a pretty good uh, project. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, like the whole reason I started my career as an artist was because I initially wanted to, um, and, it's, and I still want this, like this is my main dream, uh, is to be a songwriter, uh, not as an artist. Right now, because of, uh, you know, the courses we take with Ari and everything, um, I just recently hit a million streams on Spotify. Uh, Congrats. It's a great achievement. Uh, Instagram is growing. Spotify is growing and everything. And I'm gigging almost everywhere. Well, I was before. Right, corona. right. Um, but yeah, I still really want to be a songwriter. This is why I started everything. So I just wanted to, to ask you, um, how can someone like me, like uh, I'm, I'm this Armenian Syrian guy living in Dubai, so my dad, uh, my dad's from Syria too. Oh, nice! We're from yeah, Syria. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Damascus, is it? Yeah, he's from Damascus. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
I'm from yeah. Latakia, which is like across the Oh, nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, like uh, I'm someone who's obviously a non-US based or an, a non-US citizen, so it's pretty hard. So what would you recommend um, even for other people in the course? Like how can we get a foot in the door? Um, say. Well, that's a, that's a good that's a good, good question, actually. And I think that the most important thing is to be writing the songs, to be working constantly, to be constantly improving your craft. And don't stop doing that, you know, just because you live in a different part of the world. There's plenty of songwriters and people who live in sort of more remote parts or more you know, everyone says you got to go to LA, you got to go to New York, or you got to go wherever. And it's not necessarily true. There's a huge, there's huge songwriting communities everywhere. You just sort of have to find them and find the, the friends and the people in your community and uh, in the, in the songwriting communities out there, which, you know, I'm sure they're not as big as in the US, but there's music going on everywhere. But I think especially for what you're trying to do, I think if you put out good stuff as an artist and you put out a lot of music like that and it's getting good traction, people will contact you. People will try and reach out to producers or people who, for instance, they're looking for a song to get top line or they're looking for, Hey, I have a beat and I want, you know, things like that are good ways to kind of try and get involved um, with just the songwriting community. And that's, sort of worldwide because there's a lot of people who get discovered on sound or were getting discovered on SoundCloud, but now, especially like Instagram, people will post a clip of them doing an original song and saying, Hey, you never know who's watching, you know, you never know if a good, great A&R or a great person in the business is watching and saying, Hey, this guy's really good. And maybe they'll want to fly you out or maybe they'll fly out to you and, and whatever it is, but just don't stop writing the songs. And it definitely it's, it helps to have, frequent collaborators, whether it's somebody online who is a great producer from, could be from Europe, could be from LA, could be from Australia, anywhere and saying, because there's actually even a lot of groups and uh, artist groups that, that have like three different members in different parts of the world and they all just send each other ideas. You know, the power of the email, the power of social media. I think just knowing that you're in a place that inspires you and an environment that is um, good for you to keep sort of honing your craft. So I, I would say to break it down, keep writing good songs, keep finding people to collaborate with and send your music out and, you know, just, just keep doing what you're doing and the right people will find you. And of course, you know, when it's obviously safer to travel and things are better in the world, I'm sure, taking a trip somewhere or meeting, meeting up with somebody who you've collaborate with in person, that'll be a different feeling for sure. But I would say those are some good things to consider. Awesome. Cool. Uh, thank you. Roche. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so obviously through Spotify, uh, I'm focusing on Spotify, of course, because of the course with Ari, that's what he's teaching us. Sure. Uh, uh, so eventually that will happen probably. Uh, but how do I reach out to industry professionals and uh, producers like such as yourself? Like, would you would you accept someone to send you a song, for example? Like, if I DM you on Instagram, I I just followed you by the way. Oh, cool. Like, <laughs> if yeah, if someone DMs you on Instagram or something, or like emails you a song, would you even consider it? Or like, how does Defin that work? definitely? I mean, people people reach out and, and try to send me stuff all the time. I think it's just based on how you're feeling about, about what, what you see, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to it. And I would say my suggestion would be just send it out, the, just hit mm -hmm. send on that, on that thing. If, if, <laughs> and, and you know, you might not get a response back. You might not get a response back at all. You might get a response back in like five minutes or maybe like three months later, someone was like, yo, I just saw this. You're amazing. You, you never know. Mm. So I would say if you have a favorite producer or a favorite songwriter or whatever, send, send your stuff and, or, or, you know, a lot of people do covers of songs and tag people and they kind of like, oh, you're really good. So I think mm. just just any way that that is sort of, you know, not overdoing it, but just shoot your shot and see what happens. And if it's meant to be, cool. it's meant to be. Awesome. Cool. Thank uh, you. We have a question from uh, Christina. I'm going to bring uh, Christina in here um, and uh, let's see where 
Hey, Christina, how you doing? Um, so I'm a pop singer songwriter. I'm an independent artist. Um, and I was just curious, like when, if, when you're looking to work with a new producer, whether, um, it's an, maybe a somewhat established producer or, um, just trying to work with different people, what are some different, um, what are some things that you should, what are some points that we should include in a pitch to a producer's manager? Greg, you want to? Sure. Um, I mean, I think, you know, whatever you have, uh, whatever you have going for you is a good thing to include, right? Whatever makes you stand out, um, whatever differentiates you, um, whatever your proudest accomplishments are, um, those, those are the things to include. Um, and like, you know, just like, just like Roger said, like you shoot your shot and sometimes it's meant to be, and sometimes it isn't. But it's, I, I think when you're trying to develop those like initial producer relationships to grow your career, you kind of have to go where the love is anyway. Like you can't, mm. you can't like beat yourself up that like, oh, so-and-so isn't interested in me or doesn't respond to me. You kind of have to be like the people who do respond to me, those are my people. Those are going to be my people because they, those mm. are the people who fuck with me um, and just kind of like embrace them and grow with them. Cool. Sweet. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Thanks, Christina. Um, cool. We have uh, Juan here. Um, I'm bring Juan in. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So totally. I have a, a quick question. I guess on the technical side of the productions, things is, so I'm a songwriter, I'm an artist, and I produce a lot of my stuff. Sometimes I go out to other producers, but it's... um. You know, it's like I have my own sounds, you know, kind of think a lot of artists are kind of like nitpicky all the time sure. about that stuff. So I'm trying to make my stuff. And I just, this, I don't know if this is kind of a silly question, but like one thing is I get bogged down is like, is should I just reach out to more producers? Because I feel like I go at a really slow pace. Like, you know, I got to make my songs. I got to produce the songs. And I'm putting in a lot of hours, but I know other artists where they have it like a streamline. Like I know artists in my local area where like, they have a producer, they have engineers, they have like everybody. It's just like they walk in, do this and they're done. And so one thing I was thinking about was like maybe making my tracks and kind of mixing. I'm sure like, you know, you can mix, but you probably also at the same time work with engineers. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking like, should I, I, I don't know if this is kind of a more no, weird technical question to ask, but it's just, do you think that might be better like to start to like sort of offload the process? Cause I just feel and maybe I got to work on all this other stuff, which I'm working on. Like, I feel like it just takes a while for me to do everything. I think that, I think it's a good question. I think it sort of depends on what sound you're going for. A lot of artists feel more comfortable producing for themselves or making their own songs because that's just their process. And it could take longer, but if, if that's what the better outcome is, is, hey, you know, you don't want to focus on the speed of how you do things, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's important to say if it mm. takes you two or three months to make a good song and that's just your process. And then look, you, your song comes out and you end up getting a few million streams on your own, then maybe take note of that and say, okay, cool. But I think it's good to work with other people. It's good to get other producers opinion and different flavor in your music. So I think, kind of like the last few questions it's it's best to do it with friends it's best to find a person who you know well or one of your friends that makes beats for instance you know and and just hit them up and say hey send me some beats and send me some ideas send me a track or whatever it is or or you can even speed up the process and do some of it on your own ask somebody to send you a loop or a sample or like just like an instrumental of them playing something if like maybe playing do you play an instrument? Is that? Is yeah, that... I'm actually a pretty good guitar player. And that's kind okay. of how also I've been able to sort of, because I think one of the reasons why I should collaborate is so that way I can build those connections. I think, I think, I think it's one thing to I think you should do is definitely if you haven't already done it, just write the song on guitar and don't focus on the production. Make it a good song mm -hmm. and send that to a producer and... Then you then you make let's say you make five great songs on on the guitar and you just need doper production on it. You can send yeah. the track of you playing your vocals and then your guitar. Send that to a good producer and say, hey, can you make this this kind of vibe or can you can you make this a more trap vibe or a more pop vibe or a more whatever alternative? Yeah. And, and I think I think that's cool because 
in a way you're still making your own music you're still like contributing musically to your songs aside from just writing a song so that's one yeah. way to do it because even for me i don't like really working by myself i love because my forte is really on the keyboards and on the synths and sound design mm -hmm. so for me i love pairing up with somebody who does really good drum programming and and crazy drums and like it speeds up the process it makes it more fun and yeah, i think definitely. i think that's sort of what people are on but if you have something special and you're like yeah I don't really like, I don't want anyone to touch. This is my baby. Then yeah, work on it for however long it takes. And don't be discouraged by, by taking a long time because over time you're going to improve and you're going to be able to write and produce and do all that much faster, but establish the connection with some good producers, find someone who's good at mixing or trying to get good at mixing. You know, it doesn't have to be like the dopest mixer or producer in the world. The people that are up and coming, you never know. They could be the next, you know, Timbaland or, yeah uh, max martin or whatever you just never know so i think just work with the people that you believe in and work with the people who believe in you cool thank okay. you definitely Thanks, thank Juan. you so much guys no problem um so actually uh i mean that's a that's a really it's really great advice um and uh i want to just kind of touch on that we had um yeah. we had uh i had zaytoven on the show a little bit ago and he was talking about how early on you know uh, him and Gucci Mane, that's, they started as friends. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I, you know, I can't stress that enough from, uh, what Roger is saying is, uh, you know, it's, um, you just work with your friends and then you kind of grow together. And that, that's kind of the, um, the thing that I think a lot of young artists, uh, you know, you're so, we're so, um, in such a rush and hurry to get things going and you want to work with the biggest and the best of the best and the biggest of the biggest right now when it's just like, but everybody starts somewhere. Everyone starts at zero and then you, you kind of climb and grow from there. And so I think that's really great advice. Roger said that it's just, you know, sure, start with you. your friends. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up and I've, I have one final question for both of you guys, um, that, uh, I ask everybody who, who comes on the show. Um, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Uh, Roger, let's start with you and then I'll get to Greg. I think it's knowing that you can put out the highest quality stuff and also combine that with having a good reputation and being able to work with anybody. I think that it doesn't matter how many records you sell or how famous you are, or how big your songs are be a good person and I think having everyone love you and also working, you know, and there's also a lot of people who aren't going to love you. And, and, and that's just out of, because they're haters or because they just don't, they're jealous or whatever it is, but you're going to have plenty of that. Everyone will, whether you make it big or not. It's just, I think knowing that you're able to put out these big songs, you're able to complete an artist's vision and, just knowing that you have obtained the skills to do that. I think that's really what makes me feel like, you know, I made it or, or however you want to say is I feel comfortable knowing that I can walk into any room with any artist. And that's when you really feel like, Hey, like I'm doing this right because it's not about only doing one genre or working with one person. It's you've realized your role and you do it to the best of your ability. And you also, are you know you're show, you're proving that that you that when you work with an artist and your track record track record gets better something comes out and obviously you know you scroll past your credits and you look at it and you say cool but never never get too comfortable just because you have a few big songs always be pushing always be a student and always be willing to learn and mm. accept that you may not always be right but you you will you will continue to push on and and try to keep changing production and songwriting and, and pushing it to the next level. I love it. Awesome, Roger. Thank you. Uh, Greg, same question. What does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? You know what? In the end, uh, like whatever level of success you have, like you have to wake up in the morning and be happy with yourself and excited about your work for the day and excited about the people you're going to work with. And, like having fun because like, you know, uh, as I've learned being on this journey with Roger and also being on my own career journey, you know, that started before that, like, um, you know, 
you hit these milestones where you're like, wow, that sold. Oh, wow. That hit number one. Uh, That went platinum. That went number one on the radio. Like, you know, I did this big deal. I did this big deal as 10 times bigger than the last big deal that I thought was going to be the biggest deal I ever did. Right. Like, you know, all those things like they happen like in the amount of time that they take to happen. Um, But all along the way, you know, you still live in your own body and your own head with your friends and your family and the people that you work with one-on-one and that you look in the face every day and you know you have to you have to still be able to wake up in the morning be happy be excited be inspired um and like as long as you as long as you keep that feeling going i think you're a winner i love it awesome roger greg thank you guys so much for for coming on the show answering questions and taking the time out of your day to do this Uh, everyone really appreciates it that and uh we'll have a wonderful rest of your day and night and thanks for uh tuning in wherever you're coming to us from and uh yeah absolutely yeah thank you so much ari thanks for all you everyone yeah thank you thank you all right see ya So it is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com